Shift is brought to you by Continental. As one of the world's leading mobility suppliers, Continental is developing intelligent solutions to make driving safer, more efficient, and more connected. Hello and welcome to Shift, a podcast about mobility. I'm Hannah Lutz, tech and innovation reporter for Automotive News, and for Pete Bigelow this week. Danny Shapiro is vice president of automotive at NVIDIA, where he focuses on AI technology to help design, build, and drive cars. Danny has been with NVIDIA since 2009. He lives in Northern California, where his rooftop solar panels charge his Tesla Model S. I caught up with Danny to talk about using data to plan factories, testing autonomous vehicle technology, and more. Hi, Danny. Welcome to Shift. Thanks for joining us today. It's good to be here with you. So one of NVIDIA's major focuses, I know, is digitalization for things like autonomous vehicle testing and automotive factory planning. Why has going digital become so important in today's market? And tell me about how you get to the, the full circle experience of digitalization. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we started working with the auto industry over two decades ago, and you had car designers who were using NVIDIA technology in, in the studio and, and for design reviews. Then we started using our, our GPUs and the accelerated computing to do simulation and you know, virtual wind tunnels or virtual crash tests, all really essential for designing efficient vehicles and safe vehicles. And you know, since then, it's just progressed on and on. More and more departments uh, within automakers use NVIDIA technology. And then, you know, it was probably about 15 years ago where we started taking our GPU technology, our graphics technology, and then AI and bringing that inside the vehicle for in-vehicle experiences with infotainment, with digital clusters, with rear seat entertainment. And then it extends actually all the way in, into the retail experience and, and marketing with NVIDIA playing a big role with, with all the agencies and, and the production work. And so we felt it was really critical to tie this all together. And that's what we're doing with something we call Omniverse, which is taking all this digital data and unifying it and creating an optimized workflow um, that really benefits every automaker that's now adopting it. And I know part of that is what Mercedes-Benz is using. They said at CES that they would take NVIDIA's Omniverse platform to design and plan their manufacturing and assembly facilities. So you're using what's called a digital twin of the factory to get this done. Can you explain that process and really the function of what you call a digital twin? Sure. I mean, th this is really cool. If you think about, you know, digitalization, it's taking, in this case, physical objects and creating virtual representation. So we, we call a digital twin something that mirrors reality. But in this case, it's not, you know, just like a video game where it looks like it. But we've built in all the physics simulation so that things move in this virtual world, just like they do in the real world. They obey the laws of physics. And so you can take an example of just one robot in the factory, and we've created a 3D model of that robot, and it actually functions in this virtual world as, you know, as a digital twin. So we can program it in virtual reality. We can test it in virtual reality and then actually have it work in the real factory the same way. And then you multiply this out by all the robots in the factory, by all the, the layout of the factory is planned, the way the workers move, the way all the material handling systems move. And so this digital twin is really a massive simulation 
of a real factory. The advantage here now is that the automaker is able to plan this and avoid having to rebuild things or rework things or do change orders, which is usually what happens, right? You start with this huge factory shell, you start laying things out in a real factory, and then you realize, oh, we didn't make the building big enough, or this doesn't fit, or some other change has to happen. And it's very time consuming and very expensive. But when we create the digital twin first, we can plan that factory and we can plan every movement in that factory before we even construct it. How do you actually collect the data needed to build the digital twin? Are you physically like walking the floor of the plant? Are you taking videos? How do you really create the simulation? That's another good question. And so we're not walking the plant because in many cases, the plant hasn't been built yet. We can create digital twins to retrofit an existing factory. And in that case, sure, you would have the measurements and the designs, but it really comes down to this integrated workflow where, you know, people are using CAD computer-aided design to maybe create the shell of the factory, but each of the elements inside that factory would also be CAD models, like the robots, the conveyor belts, the cranes, the stamping machines. But even the people, we have digital twins of the workers and so just like they're animated in a Hollywood production, we can animate those people and design the factory or design the workflow to reduce repetitive stress injuries or to reduce the, the likelihood of any other kind of, of accident in there. And it gives the, the planners the ability to construct it in the virtual world where changes are instantaneous and don't cost anything before they actually lay out and start, start building. But each element is basically a full representation of that object down to the vehicles that are moving through. And so we can simulate the assembly of the vehicles and everything coming together, just like it will happen once the factory is produced. Okay. So an automaker, if they were thinking of expanding a, a factory based on a certain capacity they expected or wanted, would you be able to use an existing digital twin and, and expand it out to let them know how much additional space or equipment they might need? That's right. And in fact, Mercedes-Benz is, is using this technology to plan for bringing up new car lines in an existing factory while minimizing disruption to the existing production line. And so that's really critical. They don't have to take the factory completely offline, but they can stage it and they can modify it um, such that it increases productivity if they didn't have this omniverse technology to do all, all the planning and, and logistics. Okay. And digitalization can extend to design as well, right? Vehicle design. It seems that with more and more designers spread out globally, they are working in a, in a virtual environment to collaborate. How does NVIDIA play a role there? That is a super challenging issue facing all types of design, not just automotive. But you're right. People are spread out all over the world. These data files are massive. Sometimes it's a challenge to, to move them around. So we've put all this in the cloud. Uh, our Omniverse technology links all the existing types of apps that people will use, whether it's something like SolidWorks to design some of the factory robots or Katia or Maya, anything from Adobe, Autodesk, all those design software houses plug into Omniverse. And so what we've done is create this shared workspace where multiple people in different locations can all be collaborating. And somebody could be designing you know, a wheel and somebody else is designing the dash and somebody else is designing the seats, but they all come together and they can view the complete model and it's a, it's a shared workspace. And so any design change from somebody else immediately shows up 
and they can collaborate. One of the things we've also done is integrate both the physical design elements, say, you know, the physical dashboard and the software side, you know, what goes on the screens. And so for the first time, the physical plus digital can be co-designed and that, you know, the, the vents that are next to the screen can be taken into consideration as somebody's doing the layout of the dashboard screens. And we're able to simulate the operation of the vehicle infotainment systems or the digital cockpit or the head-up display. And all of this can be done in tandem so that, okay, maybe the steering wheel was actually blocking part of the cluster display. So you can move that down and make sure that, you know, the visibility is there for, for the driver. So all this can now happen in simulation. So from concept, if a designer makes a change, we can easily see what is the effect on the engineering side. Maybe the coefficient of drag is changing. The, the efficiency of the vehicle will, will change. And so there's this feedback loop that a designer will be able to get right away because that same model is used throughout from the design to the engineering, to the, the manufacturing. Um, and so it really is a huge efficiency boost as opposed to each department having its own data sets that may or may not be similar. At what point in the vehicle development process would designers and engineers collaborate in this tool? Is it, is it late or is it an early stage? You know, I, I think this gives them the ability to do it at the very start. And, and it's really breaking down the silos because all of these groups then have different applications and they would have different data formats. And in fact, sometimes they might have different models that they're using because of this lack of compatibility in the past. But with Omniverse, it's standardized on something called USD, which is a standard that is, you know, basically started by Pixar in the entertainment industry, but it allows the, the whole models and the scenes to be uniformly defined. And that way, um, there's this compatibility across every phase. And so you have a single data set then that's used by every department. So you don't end up with something later that maybe you can't manufacture or isn't compatible with the robot that's supposed to install it. So it really gives a, a ground truth of a single source of data for every department to use. And that way at the end, the, the team that is you know, maybe making the TV commercials and they're rendering them on some really cool mountain road. Um, it's exactly the design that was created as opposed to some other uh, prototype that maybe somebody got a, a copy of that they weren't supposed to, right? You have the single proper set that can be used even for the repair manual or, or the maintenance team to, to use that in augmented reality in, in, the, in the shop. We're basically creating this data source that flows from design to production, to retail, to service. Okay, and interesting that it was started by the standard was created by Pixar and now is a major application for for automotive. That's right. I think that there's there's a lot of similarities. If you look at the history of NVIDIA, right? We started as a graphics company. We're now still heavily involved in graphics, but also accelerated computing and artificial intelligence. And all these things tie together in the omniverse where the uh, graphic elements can be uh, represented and physically accurate. We model light. So we use a technique called ray tracing where we're modeling how light reflects and refracts. And so the same kind of tech that has been used in Hollywood for years now is able to be used by the auto industry to create photorealistic images um, of the vehicles. And then also we're using the same kinds of, of technology in the development of autonomous vehicles. Simulation plays a huge role 
there's no possible way to test every scenario that can happen in the real world by testing in the real world. We just don't see these things that are very infrequent. So in simulation, we can recreate dangerous and hazardous scenarios. We can recreate a car running a red light to ensure that we don't uh, pull into the intersection, or we can recreate a child running out between parked cars at night and do that so that nobody's put in harm's way as we test the software in the system. And so simulation and using artificial intelligence is a way that we can create virtually infinite number of scenarios and test that the hardware and software in a self-driving car uh, will be safe. Okay. I'm glad you brought up um, autonomous vehicles. I know that's a big part of your business and obviously a major part of the industry that we keep hearing about and hear so many timelines for, you know, when will we see a fully autonomous vehicle on the road? Um, for those simulations that you mentioned, what data do you use to actually train those networks? And tell me about the so-called actors in the simulations. How do you determine their behavior and, and their responses to the vehicle's actions? That's a good question. I think the the biggest challenge of a self-driving car is being able to anticipate the behavior of other humans, which can be very unpredictable, can be erratic. I mean, ideally, other road users are following normal behavior and, and the laws, but we know that's not the case. And that's why we still have a lot of accidents on our roads. So what we've done is we've built um, a number of tools that let us simulate. We can leverage other companies that are developing traffic scenarios or environment models. And so Omniverse is an open platform that others can plug into the vehicle dynamic model. So we're not creating everything from scratch ourselves, but we're the platform that brings it all together and, and lets everyone test. We can replay existing drives. So we have fleets of cars. All of our customers have their fleets of vehicles that they're, they're driving around. And so they're collecting data. And so we have the ability to replay that data, just like, you know, you would on an old VCR, right? We can rerun that data set and use that to test against all the algorithms. So that's one method, but we also create synthetic data. And so we can create all kinds of scenarios that are permutations on existing drives and make modifications to those. So we can create dozens and dozens of scenarios off of a single drive to test how different traffic patterns or somebody running the red light or somebody jaywalking will be handled by the self-driving car. But I think this is one of those things that is the area that has delayed the rollout of self-driving cars is that we need to ensure that they're safe. That's our number one priority. And so we're focused very heavily on a massive amount of testing scenario creation, synthetic data generation too ensure that these vehicles are much safer than a human behind the wheel. Coming up, more of my conversation with Danny Shapiro, Vice President of Automotive at NVIDIA. We'll talk about safety features and how NVIDIA's system supports in-car gaming. That's next on Shift. Every year, about 43,000 lives are lost on U.S. roadways. Continental is working to reduce that number to zero through advanced safety technologies that are available right now. Nearly 10,000 lives could be saved every year and 1.1 million injuries could be prevented if currently available safety technologies existed on every vehicle. 
the technology is already here to help you get safely there. From lane departure warning systems to emergency brake assist, today's advanced driver assistance systems provide the building blocks for the automated driving of the future. Continental is using its full innovative prowess to drive this trend and develop intelligent technologies that assist the driver in critical situations. The advantage? Increased safety, more convenience, and greater efficiency. You're listening to Shift. I'm Hannah Lutz, in for Pete Bigelow. You're listening to my conversation with NVIDIA Vice President of Automotive, Danny Shapiro. Tell me about the scenarios that you've actually run in the simulations. There's so many things that can happen on the road. What are you testing exactly? There's a number of different databases of scenarios, so we use that. We also have NCAP tests, so that's you know the simple new car assessment program with emergency braking and pedestrian detection and things like that. So we can put all of those tests uh, in Omniverse. But I think what's, what's really more critical is that this is a software-defined car, and it will continue to get smarter and smarter over time. Even after somebody buys the car, uh, we will continue to develop the software to add new features and new capabilities. So I don't think that the software for the vehicle will ever be done. Just like on your iPhone, the expectation is, you're just going to get software updates. That's how the model will be for cars. And so each software update you'll get will be fully tested, but will add new features and new capabilities and new you know, operating zones for the car. It might just be initially a highway pilot, but then it would add a city pilot and then maybe even a country pilot. And so as the software is tested with all different kinds of scenarios, then we'll roll out new capabilities and new driving modes for those cars. But as I mentioned, you know, safety is what it's all about. So we're going to continue to test and test until we believe a feature is truly safe and that it goes through all types of certification and validation before it's rolled out to a customer. So where do you see the business case for autonomous driving? Um, and which will come first? Would it be freight and trucking, taking the lead, robo-taxis, and, and when should we see personal vehicles uh, becoming completely autonomous? You, know, you you raise a really good point, and there's there's a massive amount of work going on. It really has not stopped. Um, you know, during the pandemic, people thought that the work um, was slowing down, and in fact, it it just continued to accelerate. Um, you know, the autonomous vehicle industry has gone through different cycles. You know, in the media, of course, but in reality, the uh, the engineering work continues. Uh, we work with car makers doing passenger vehicles that they want to develop driver assistance and, and autonomous systems for. We're working with robo-taxi companies to make them fully autonomous without you know, driving controls, no steering wheels, no pedals in those vehicles. We're working with long-haul trucking, uh, short-haul trucking, last-mile delivery. So these things are all progressing, and there's a huge amount of pilots going on. In addition, there's off-road. We have a number of customers that are doing things in construction, mining, and agriculture. And so there's, there's a lot of activity in those spaces too. In terms of, of deployments, there's, there's a lot of pilots that are already driverless. And there's even companies that are providing rides for fee, you know, the services where there's no drivers in the car and there's a, you know, some teleoperation or uh, remote monitoring going on. The, the work we're doing with Mercedes-Benz is pioneering and you know, the next generation of Mercedes will have the sensors, will have the compute from NVIDIA, will have the software that we're developing jointly to be able to offer very advanced automated features um, with the ability to upgrade to automated. So 
we're still moving forward with great ambition and with, with great progress that's being made and anticipate in the next several years, we're going to have a, a lot of really successful uh, deployments. So going off of the technology that's available to everyday drivers today, what do you think is the most functional and safest approach? I know there's a few out there like GM with Super Cruise is hands-free driving. Tesla takes it a step further. What in your mind is the safest available at the moment? Well, what we're focused on is creating a system that's safe. And that means a combination of different elements. It needs to have diversity and redundancy built in. So diversity, meaning you have different types of sensors, you have different types of algorithms running, and they, they check and double check each other. And then the, the redundancy is, is there's backup. And so if it's just a level two or level two plus system, the backup is the human. But once we start getting more advanced, we need to have a backup computer. And so that comes into being able to have the whole architecture of the car designed up front for that both redundancy and diversity of, of sensors and, and algorithms and, and compute. In terms of having driver monitoring systems in the car, if it's a level two system, I think that's, that's important. And so companies that are integrating that are key. And this is again, where AI plays a huge role. We're working with a number of companies and not just putting sensors outside the car, but sensors inside the car that can detect a distracted driver or a drowsy driver or, you know, a medical condition. But then also we can use AI inside the car for a lot of convenience features, both safety and convenience are, are key where the AI can understand who's in the car. We can have natural language understanding systems running in the car. We can have systems that are monitoring the vehicle and uh, can really increase the enjoyment for the occupants. Once we get to fully autonomous, uh, we'll be able to offer all kinds of additional features and services in the car. Uh, we're starting to roll out cloud gaming for the passengers, but other entertainment and commerce and, and work kinds of functions will be available to the driver once they're no longer required to operate the vehicle. Okay. And you touched on a few of these just now, but what are some of the problems that are still holding up self-driving vehicles at scale? Safety, right? We need to make sure that we can handle the broad range of things that can happen to a vehicle on the road, whether it's self-driving or not. We need to be able to anticipate hazards. We need to be able to understand the erratic behavior of other road users and uh, ensure our vehicle, our autonomous vehicle, uh, is able to safely uh, stop or avoid them. And I know you recently introduced Drive Thor, which is your next-gen in-vehicle computer. How is it an improvement from your previous offering? And tell us a bit about what it does. You raise a, a really good point. Like our, our roadmap for vehicle technology continues to excel. And today we have what's called Drive Orin. That's our current processor. It's a SOC, a system on a chip, and it's capable of 254 tops. That's trillions of operations per second. It's an incredible supercomputer and it's the size of a postage stamp. It's very energy efficient. And so this is the brain of the self-driving car. But like all computing, you know, there's never enough, whether it's in your phone, your laptop, a workstation, the software always grows to the point where you need more compute. And so in order to run all the different algorithms and the deep neural networks in the car to sense the lane markings, the signs, the curbs, other cars, pedestrians, bikes, 
we just need more and more compute. So Thor raises the bar and delivers 2,000 tops. So it's an eight-fold increase of our current generation, and it will enable the running of autonomous vehicle features as well as the in-cabin technology as well. So it's part of our strategy to help the automakers centralize computing in the car to be able to make the car fully programmable, what we call software-defined vehicles, to be able to more easily have over-the-air updates of that software to increase the features and functions of the car. And then also to reduce the overall energy consumption, to reduce the, the footprint of the, the computers inside, to reduce the weight, to reduce the cabling required. So there's a great number of savings and efficiencies that, that DriveThor will bring as our next generation processor. Okay, and I think I will also support a gaming system that you're adding to cars, NVIDIA GeForce. So first of all, explain that that offering to me. How are you able to offer gamings in cars and how do you keep the driver engaged with video games going on? Yeah, NVIDIA started with, with gaming and PC gaming was, was kind of the first real business and use of accelerated computing for NVIDIA. Still is a huge market. What we've also done though is, is moved beyond the PC and gaming consoles to put gaming in the cloud. So just like Netflix streams videos from the cloud, what we've done is created a technology that's two-directional. So you can play the game in the cloud, your controller and your display are, are in your home or on a mobile device, and we've reduced the latency so that you can interactively control uh, the games and you don't know that the game is not playing locally. With GeForce Now, our cloud gaming service, we can deliver PC quality games to passengers in the vehicle while it's moving or to the, the front seat passengers when the car is parked or charging. So it's not a question of providing games and distraction to the driver, but it's ways to offer entertainment uh, in a safe way. And so a huge library of thousands of games that otherwise would be tied you know, to a PC or a console cannot be enjoyed uh, in a vehicle or any mobile device. What is the revenue model for that? Does it go to NVIDIA, the automaker, a gaming company, or a combination? So GeForce Now is a, uh, a subscription model where people get access to the games and, and the play. They still need to buy the games that they want to play. So that revenue goes to, to the game maker. And uh, NVIDIA has a, a nominal fee that we charge monthly um, to provide the service to any type of, of mobile platform, whether it's their phone, a tablet. Um, they could play PC games on a Mac using GeForce Now in the cloud uh, or also in their vehicle. They don't necessarily need to be running on NVIDIA hardware. Uh, it supports all kinds of, of different systems. So I know you have a big conference coming up in about two weeks. Tell us about it. When is it exactly and where will it be? The GTC is our GPU technology conference. It's focusing on AI in the metaverse and covers all industries from healthcare to manufacturing to finance to automotive. It's a spectacular event. It will be virtual still this year but um, it's free to attend and you can find more at nvidia.com. It runs from March 20th to the 25th and will feature hundreds of sessions, both automotive and non-automotive. And so it's really fascinating. The topics we've talked about today from the metaverse, digital twins, artificial intelligence across a broad spectrum of industries will all be covered. Jensen Huang, our CEO, will give a keynote on the 21st, and it's uh, 
it's really going to be exciting. There's, there's so much activity going on today with generative AI. So you'll be able to learn how to use this fascinating technology in your daily life and, and your work. All right. Well, thank you. I look forward to hearing more about the metaverse, AI, and autonomous driving and more. Thanks so much, Danny, for joining us today. That was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Shift, a podcast about mobility. If you enjoyed this conversation or the Shift podcast overall, please give us a like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Lutz in for Pete Bigelow. We hope you'll join us again next week.